Hey, oh, 701, fashionably late. You know it. That is a pet peeve of mine. Mm -hmm. I don't do late, Anthony. <laughs> wow, it's funny to hear you say that. <laughs> this, is, this may come as a shock to you. Late is not my jam. <laughs> that is a pet peeve. Whoops, of mine. Sorry. Hey, all right, we are live. Live, live from various from points. a lot of places. <laughs> Where is this loop coming from? What is going on? Mm. So we uh, here we are. Folks are signing on live from Quispam Sis and Sackville, Nova Scotia. It's Sunday night. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is indeed. How is everybody doing? Welcome. Awesome. Thanks. It was a beautiful day. It was a nice day. Day. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for coming on the show. Yeah. Feel like I need theme music. Someone needs to make a theme song for this uh, this hour we call Sunday Night Live. Greg, how <laughs> did I know you're gonna call me? <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, what? Uh, come up with something. Speaking of, it was a good day as people are signing on. Glad glad to have people joining us here. I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move this to eight o'clock. I think while we're still in COVID stuck, it seems to make more sense to me to move it to eight because you got parents and stuff like my wife and every, like trying to get kids to bed and all that stuff. So might move this over to eight o'clock. Who's who's stopping us? Nobody. Nobody. No. I gotta talk to the. I gotta talk to the broadcasting Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, but I think they'll be good with it. I think they will. So and I appreciate this. This is all uh, paid for by viewers like you. Yeah. Um, big, big donations of zero. It's great, man. Isn't it uh, incredible the way that Facebook has just leveled the broadcasting game? It's incredible. Yeah. YouTube yeah. and Facebook's amazing. No, it was a good day today, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, very. Get this, my my wife, my beautiful wife. Uh, she organized a drive-by birthday celebration for my. Mm -hmm. Son Aiden and my son Alex. They're born uh, three days apart, five years apart, but so we mm -hmm. celebrate them on the same week. Mm -hmm. So it was really cool. There's, I don't know, probably 15 to 20 cars that came by honking, you know, and, cool. and people put decorations on their cars and stuff. It was, my little guy was a little freaked out by it, but my, my older son was pretty moved. He was pretty touched by it, actually. He just couldn't believe that all these people would come do that for him so he was yeah. pretty That's awesome pretty did floored you did you tell alex this is the future man get used to it drive yeah. by birthday party hopefully not i the hope this is just a i expect the novelty of that would wear off pretty quick after like Can year two or three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i don't know i mean who wants cake and all your friends in your living room and having and you got a horn talking at you yeah. Yes. Less cleanup though. The cleanup is probably true. It was great. Yeah. It was yeah. great. Well, the the sad part is we owe him, owe them birthday parties later. So right. yeah. 
So, right. but my son's excited to have a summer party. So he's never had that, but all right. So how was everybody else's week? Seth, I'm, I'm interested to hear like all that you've been dealing with this week, you know, with the shooting and, you know, what's been going on there with, you know, yeah. on your front. Yeah. It's been, it's been quite a week here uh, in Halifax. Uh, mm. Obviously, uh, you know, one week from, t- uh, from today, really last, last Sunday is when some, you know, horrific, terrible, Events took place here in Nova Scotia. Obviously, we don't need to, everyone knows what that is. Uh, but it's been quite a week. Um, very somber. We have people who are actually part of King's Church here in Halifax who are actually connected to some of the, uh, to some of the victims. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had, just while we're on this, and I won't take up a lot of time with this, but I did have an opportunity this week, which was really, really cool. Um, to actually visit some of the, the victims' immediate family, um, just to go and uh, just come alongside them, uh, represent the church, represent Jesus, uh, incarnate ourselves into the into the mess uh, of 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 what took place, and uh, just share the love of Jesus with people in tangible ways. And so uh, it's been it's been a, it's been a crazy week. And then on top of that, here. I think it was Friday, there was another alert, and people thought there were other shootings going on in Halifax. It was crazy. We yeah. were people were texting us like get inside, get in, you know, like hunker down, all that. Turns out it was like a you know, construction site or something, you know, and then there was yeah. like a couple other things too. But I mean, you know, understandable, I, man. Yeah, I mean, I think it's totally understandable. Everyone's on high alert with some of this stuff. So um but you know the, the community. I think the province has rallied around really good. Some of the the vigils and stuff online have been pretty amazing, pretty touching. Um, yeah. You want to see you want to see a community coming together. Want to see province come together. Look at Nova Scotia right now. It's pretty pretty incredible. So yeah. 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 Well, Absolutely. even the even Atlantic Canada as a whole. Yeah. There's a whole lot of Nova Scotia flags flying around here. Well, that's even. awesome. That's awesome. On, on the street, on the street here in Quispamsis, where I, uh, right by my house on Pettengill Road, I think the father of the uh, the RCMP officer who died lives, and people have been bringing and putting stuffed animals like just out on the on their on his lawn. It's wow. amazing. There's probably probably like I'd say a thousand stuffed animals now mm, there. Just wow. a real cool show of love and support. You know, yeah, obviously feel for you feel awful for the family who's lost their loved one mm-hmm. in such a senseless way but it's really cool it's cool to see people coming around him in a community we just man i wish i wish this is probably another topic for another day but there's so much good in in the heart like a lot of the time we harp on i do anyway i harp on some of the things that really bother me about the atlantic canadian psyche there's a lot of a lot of things about us that, you know, I think keep us locked in certain cycles that we just need to change our minds and break out of. Yeah. But man, there's there's a there's a lot of goodness in the people that live here. A lot of just genuine kindness and humility. Yeah. yeah. In the average Atlantic Canadian, and you can see it in times like this. That's right. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. And you know, you see, you see the grace of God using these terrible times 
to shine through. Dan, I was going to kick it over to you before we jump into the discussion. You've been kind of keeping track of some, just some, you know, it's been a blessing to us to be able to kind of hear these wow God stories that you've just been kind of keeping track of. And you, you know, you've always been at least for, for Anthony and myself and you and our little, little prophetic trio, uh, the scribe who kind of keeps track of things and seems to remember things uh, that both Anthony and I don't. Yeah. Hey, any fans of wow God stories out there? I promise you, I'm not making this stuff up. (laughs) I I promise. I, I would hope. I yeah, no, I, I am not. I if 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 I do make it up, I know myself well enough. I'll have to come back the next week and confess. I just wouldn't yes. be able to like do it. So, anyway, yeah, it's it's it is very cool. You know, um, something that's been really on our heart as as a leadership team for a bunch of years is that you know God made it really clear through the prophet Isaiah that His house would be a house of prayer for all nations, and then of course Jesus brought that forward so so powerfully uh when he when he cleared the temple and made that statement again so so we really are like we want to take advantage of every moment to keep building our church into a house of prayer and so it's been really cool during this quarantine to see our our prayer ministry really honestly just multiply and grow it's it's been very cool so we have we have tons of wow god stories but the more, but the more we talk about them, it seems like the more interest in prayer grows. So it's really cool. But one especially I wanted to tell you about is one of our prayer warriors got a text this week. Now uh, the the prayer warrior's name is Mike, and uh, years ago he actually was healed in the name of Jesus from cancer, and it was very dramatic, as you can understand. But but he was he was completely healed of cancer. And so he, he got a text uh, early this week. I think it was even Monday. He got a text from a friend who said this, uh, I went to school with you and I remember when you had cancer and you woke up one day and it was completely gone like it was never there. So happy you beat it, Mike. My friend is now fighting for her life. She's in the hospital hooked up to oxygen right now. I pray she can beat it too, but it's not looking good. Okay, so that was the case on Monday. And so we had our prayer warriors start praying for this. Our prayer community started praying for her. And then two days later, Mike sent me this message. He said, I just received this text back from my friend. She's doing much better. She just got her results back from her high laser radiation treatment for her brain tumors. They are almost gone in caps. Wow. (laughs) I love the way people say this stuff. So it worked. (laughs) So happy and relieved. Her pneumonia is almost gone as well. I told her I asked your congregation to pray for her. She was so happy I did that for her. So it worked out. Wow. And I just like the candidness of that. Like, like people, like impossibilities working out in the name of Jesus. It just never gets old. Um, and I just think it's so cool. Like just the whole reconnection after years. This guy remembering a testimony from years ago getting in touch with our prayer warrior, our team's getting on praying for it. We turn around and we see God do something in just a matter of days. And this man and his friend, their faith is now heightened in the name of Jesus. Wow. That's what it's all about to me. Yeah, that's, uh, well, I've been, I've been, you know, as we've been asking all kinds of questions and this could take our conversation in a totally different direction than we we're going to go tonight. But you know, we're asking all kinds of questions about how to be the church, you know, talk about incarnation, how to, how to be the people of God, how to be the body of Christ, 
with the limitations that we're dealing with right now. And one of the questions and concerns I've even had in recent days has been, you know, I, I do believe that this is a time of refinement where God's launching us into greater and better things as a church. More, more, we're going to look more like Jesus. We're going to let go of some things that were holding us back. I believe all that. There's something though, like about the past year or so, and you guys can agree, and maybe those of you who are watching tonight have noticed this if you're part of our church, we've seen such a ramp up of the miraculous power of God, specifically through prayer and the laying on of hands. Yeah. Like, like at our gatherings, you know, like the ministry that frankly, like, uh, you know, Anthony and Dan and Seth, you do this in, in Halifax. You guys would really drive this. But these these prayer moments that happen really in our services, we've just seen, and, and even inside the service, we've just seen like doing these times where I'll sometimes get up and facilitate, hey, we're going to pray for these three things. You know, if that's you, put your hand up. If, if there's someone around you that's that, that raised their hand, just reach out and lay your hand on them. You know, like, there's been a part of me that's been like grieved because, okay, we literally can't do the laying on of hands right now. But at the same time, I just hear the Lord saying, you know, I'm going to give you wisdom as to how to, how to do this and how to like, there's nothing about this season that God is going to give us as an excuse to not see his power expressed through us. Right. Not like God's looking at this season and saying, well, I guess there's social distancing rules, so we can't heal and we can't, we can't see the miraculous happen because it requires the laying on of hands. I just, I just have this sense that the Lord, the Lord wants us to press in and reach in in faith all the more. And even if that means facilitating prayer through, through means like zoom, Yeah, you know, I, I think we need to, as the church right now, more than ever like i mean how it does it looks crazy it looks it looks wild that we would ask you you know please send us in send us in your prayer request we've got people that will agree together in prayer in real time yeah um if you want prayer after service we had we had a person just today we had a couple today show up for prayer in a zoom chat room after service like this yeah. is this this is it this is this is the stuff that you know, the Holy Spirit's wanting to do. And I just think it's so important that, man, we keep reaching, we keep reaching for the miraculous and reaching for mm-hmm. healing and God to just show himself yeah. in more ways than just getting the message out there. Yeah. yeah, we've, you know, Brent, I just, this is just coming from an old dude, an old brain, but, but the sooner we can stop feeling sorry for ourselves and realize God wants to partner with us and go ahead and be innovative he will come behind that with his power. Yes. Agreed. And I, I mean, I'm speaking to myself on that. In those moments where I want to go into some self-pity, if I can just shake myself awake in that moment and say, wow, I bet you I could do something right now that's different with this, God comes mm-hmm. in behind that. Totally. Yeah. I think uh, just to jump in here, I just one of the things that is, is remarkable to me is that, that the Lord is not restricted at all by anything. Right. He's absolutely not. And, you know, uh, one of the things just about like the way that things are right now, with especially with, you know, it's very much a thing and a command to be, you know, for the laying on of hands and, you know, put, put your hands on somebody and, and pray for them. You know, the, the, in the gospels where it talks about where the, the recording of the, you know, of Jesus interacting with the centurion, 
right? And that's really encouraging to me at this time, right? Where it's not, mm. there's not a physical interaction between Jesus and I think it was a servant. Um, it was actually, he spoke the word and it was accomplished. So yes. even then we can, we can pull that in and build our faith off of that to know that, you know what, we don't have to be in the same room. And I've seen that over, like, we've all experienced that. Even if like, you know, if I'm watching something online, maybe even something uh, that's even days or weeks or months old, and I will experience the presence of God mm -hmm. for myself. And this is a thing that's happened in the past. And yet I'm experiencing it. The experience of it is very real to me. Mm -hmm. So God is just not limited and he's, he's, he's so not limited by anything and distance and time are, are certainly, certainly well within his grasp. Totally. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I love how right now we're just, uh, we we're more aware of what God's doing. You know, during this season where we have a heightened awareness to what he's doing, yeah. people are turning more and more to prayer, not just, you know, looking to the church for prayer, but are engaging in prayer personally. Uh, people are turning to the word. And, and uh, you know, I was in a conversation earlier today uh, just about how this, our, our lives are disrupted right now, but really it's an opportunity that God's given to us, you know, however long it takes, whether it's six months or 12 months or 18 months, whatever it is, you know, when we're at the end of it, how are we going to look back at it? You know, how have we grown? How have we, uh, how have yeah. we responded to what, what Christ wants to do in our lives? Yeah. You know, have we been wise stewards of this time? That's good, man. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I want to jump into incarnation conversation, but uh, Samantha Saunders, just on the chat here, she was saying, can you pray for my spiritual mother? She's getting cancer test results back Wednesday. Her name's oh. Yvette. So I, you know, I figure while we're just talking about this, mm -hmm. maybe we could, uh, maybe we could just claim mm -hmm. for Yvette, uh, no cancer in Jesus name. Yeah. So we yeah. want to leave that out. We'll agree. And then we'll jump into the discussion. You guys in the, that are watching maybe can agree with us and let's just agree in Jesus name that these are clean and clear tests for Yvette. Yeah. yeah. I can jump in if you want. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Lord, uh, we just first and foremost, Lord, you are unchanging Lord and that you are every bit uh, who you say you are. Lord, there's not one way that you've revealed yourself that is false, God, and that you have revealed yourself as a healer, God. It's actually your name, right? It's your Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, the Lord, our healer. And so I just, I just, I just acknowledge those things, not for your sake, but for our sake, so that our faith will be stirred. Yeah. Lord, even the testimony, Lord, that, that is so powerful um, that we've already heard, Lord, and even the ones in the past, God, that even sort of faintly, we faintly hold on to, God. We have heard testimony of you moving, and we've heard testimony of the destruction of cancer in the, in the, the killing of cancer in bodies, God. Yes. And yeah. Lord, we just we just pull on those now, Lord, to just stir up our own faith to know that you are a God who does signs and wonders, God. Yes. And you are the God who is uh who is powerful and is greater than cancer of any form. You are. And so we just we just look into you now. Like we lean into you now. We lean into this truth. And we agree together that uh uh this cancer and this spiritual mother is gone in Jesus oh, name. And we command it to go in Jesus name. And we say, we say no more, 
and this far and no further. Yes, and we Lord. just, we just, even just, we just command, even just let heaven come. We just say, let heaven come in this body. And we just say all the cells, all the cancerous cells, we just command them to die right now in Jesus' name. Mm. We curse it and we break its power in this body right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just say, mm. even right now, Lord, let your peace flow freely mm. into the situation and let heaven come freely. Lord, we're looking Lord, we just say, Lord, that you are the one, God, but we're your kids. You're the one who does the healing, but yeah. Lord, you the way it is, Lord, that you look to us for us, even us to partner with you and even speak the word and 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 stir up our faith, Lord, in that regard, God. But we look to you and God in the name of Jesus, Lord. We're not asking cancer to go, we're commanding it to go in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you. You're good, you're amazing, you're you're way more than we could ever possibly have ever hoped for you much better lord yeah. you're you're so amazing god and we yes, thank so you lord, lord for your power your grace your goodness your love your life your mercy god we love you so much in jesus yeah. name amen. amen we agree amen. awesome well guys let's have a, a quick discussion here you know i appreciate you being on here appreciate the people who have tuned in um, mm -hmm. i really hope that we can grow in this discussion each week um, I'm going to mix it up in the future as I'm kind of launching a podcast and uh, a website and some stuff. I'll probably do some things where I interview some friends and some other pastors from around the around North America anyway. But one of the real big reasons I want to do this dialogue has been, especially in this time where uh, where our service format has shifted, where we're, we, it has to be tighter and I'm preaching to a camera and there's no real dialogue or back and forth. And I can only really do so much in that 30 minute window. I realize there's just a lot of content I'm trying to cover with as much clarity as I can, but uh, there's just so much more that needs to be unpacked and so much, there's, it just needs room to breathe. And I think that people, if you hear the sermons uh, on our weekend services, these discussions could really help make it make sense as we can kind of unpack it in real time yeah. and not be so stuck to a script. You know, the sermons right now for better, for worse are kind of Ted talks. Mm -hmm. It's uh, they're just, uh, just boom, here's the content. Um, I trust the Lord's going to use it how he wants to use it, but you're really locked in, but this, we can have some dialogue mm -hmm. and I'm excited to do that because we're talking about the greatest story ever told and the, the, the truth that changes everything. And last week we talked about just like, establishing the gospel as an announcement and then we're invited to live under the reality of that announcement and today we began we're going to start week by week just unpacking what makes the gospel good news why this is good news and we're starting starting really at the beginning um with the i this this idea of incarnation and how that's the theological term for how god came and, and became flesh and came to us. And I started the talk off with this idea of an existential crisis. And I talked about the first time I ever heard Carl Sagan talk about the fact that we're this pale blue dot floating through the universe. Uh, fun question. Do any of you guys remember your first existential crisis? First time you were ever just Ooh. like the, 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 mo the first time that the, the answers for life that you previously held all of a sudden were insufficient. Can you recall a time where you just made a lot of people it's in university the first time they're in university and maybe especially if you grew up as a Christian and you get these profs who have, you know, more evolved 
dialogue and arguments about their, you know, atheism or whatever it is. Like when was the first time you were ever, you know, the, the, the questions of existence all of a sudden just, just blew up and you were like looking for answers. Does it, any of you have an example? I think, I think for me, it was, uh, it was ninth grade earth science. <laughs> and uh, there, there was a, a section in that, I still remember this, there was a section in ninth grade earth science where uh, we studied the theory of evolution. And our, 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 I was going to say our preacher, she wasn't a preacher, but our teacher uh, of sorts, well, she probably was a preacher in some ways. Like <laughs> she was teaching hard the theory of evolution. And I remember having to grapple with that being a young, you know, ninth grader Christian um, and really evaluating my belief system as, you know, God as creator. And uh, what kind of, spurn this on is I remember, um, I remember studying enough that I would pass the exam. Like I knew I would like just get hit content of it. Um, just make sure I had the content right so I could get an A and move on, you know, move on with this. But I remember when I got it back, I had like a C, but every answer was right. And uh, so I went and talked to her and she said, Seth, uh, yeah, you got this right, but you don't believe it you don't believe this. Whoa. Yeah. It was wild. And so I remember like, it shook me like that, mm. that, um, someone like a teacher or someone who had authority in my life. That's bad, time. man. Oh, it was, it was bad. And so I went wow. home and, uh, first time I've ever seen my dad come in and like, just, you know, my dad's like the nicest dude, you know, yeah. like, uh, but he came in and I've never seen him do this before. He rallied other parents with them like even non-christians <laughs> and brought yeah. them in and it yeah. was this it was this battle right it was this real battle of wow more than just facts but an actual belief system yeah. that was being pushed that, um, wow that's early that's early like wokeness yeah. that's early cancel oh. culture right there like that yeah that's 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 20 years ago almost and you're getting it, you're it getting is. canceled. Yeah. Wow. It is. And I and I think like I mean she she definitely regressed with uh with pressure from you know parents and stuff. But these days I'm not sure that would even happen. You know. Um, but it was it it's like it was like uh, it was it rocked me for 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 that semester even just the my relationship with her was never the same. You know, after yeah. that no and. Doubt. And it was all due to a fundamental belief system in uh, the idea or the reality of creation, right? So, wow. Well, yeah. and I think that that sort of shines a light a little bit, though, on some of what you know. I talked about. I talked about in the message again. I I I listened. I watched this morning, and I was just like, man. I hope this is. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to like toot my own horn or anything. It's like, this is good content, but it is coming in hot. Like it is just boom, like so fast. But one of the things I was talking about in there was this idea of how we kind of, we have these sort of ways that we try to answer the big questions of life. Like, how am I going to satisfy the big questions of life? And, and one of the ways I talked about, one of the fallacies I talked about was this idea of control, that if I can just like, you know, have all the answers, if I can just have, uh, 
you know, my life in just a certain way, then, then that answers the big questions of life. And one of the things I think we're seeing, especially with like cancel culture and even what you face with your, with your high school teacher is like the, the, like this desire to control the dialogue and like, you can't, you're not allowed to have some other point of view or some other faith position at all. Um, like that, otherwise it calls into question my belief system and I can't afford you to believe. That should, if you can't afford, how should I say this? If your faith position can't handle someone else's faith position, I would question how valid your faith position is. Because it's not, it clearly isn't very strong. You know what I mean? I think we see, I think we see that like big time right now, right? Like just, mm. just <clears throat> torpedoing the left, torpedoing the right and the right torpedoing the left. Like if, if your castle is, is built on you not having, you know, them not having their voice, it's probably not a very good, uh, very good foundation. Yeah. So by handling it, do you mean the pressure of the conversation like that? that if your if your faith position can't handle the pressure of a of a legit conversation yeah like if or, or even the fact like it can't even yeah it can't have that conversation at all like right. otherwise otherwise it calls into question mine right the fact that you could you could even think that way so we're just right. gonna we're just gonna cancel you yeah that's right you know yeah that's that's uh that's wild any other existential crises you know, it, it's funny because I, thinking back on, on my younger years, I, I feel like, and probably this has some, something to do with personality, but for me, in my growing up years, I grew up as a pastor's kid. Uh, by the time I was in my elementary school years, I was sure everybody believed the way I did. And I think my crisis came when, when some of my friendships were threatened because I was a Christian kid. And specifically because I was a Protestant Christian kid, I grew up in a really multi-ethnic, multi-racial city, and there were a lot of other faiths around me, and I was labeled because I was one of those gospel guys, and everybody thought it was weird that my dad was a priest and he was married. <laughs> I couldn't get it through there. No, he's not a priest. He's a pastor. Well, what's that? And there was all, like, all my Catholic friends were like, nah, man, you're lying to us and stuff. And I, I just, like, through my elementary school, middle school, and high school years, it was all, all about how do I maintain friendships without losing my faith? And, um, and, and, I, and I felt early on this, this tension of my friends didn't have the same faith I did. And so could I even be loving to them? Could I even have that conversation you're talking about? And so I remember very specifically uh, being drunk one night with one of my friends which I would not recommend that to any of you Christian kids out there. <laughs> but when I was in high school, I remember this walking home with my friend and he was, he was of another faith. And for the first time this, and I, and I really loved this guy, like a brother. And he said, I don't understand how you can say that you're, a, that you're a son of God and I'm not. Aren't we all children of God? And it's funny because I very clearly remember that question. And it, it really rocked me. And it kind of set me out really on a lifetime of exploring that very question. Like, okay, God, what about that? And it's really served me well over the years. 
to be patient with that conversation you were talking about, Brent. So that's probably the closest thing I ever had. Like most of most of my friendships, there was a belief in God. It was just a different belief. So let me spin it then, because you know, the the idea of incarnation, you know, at a very fundamental level, it actually it actually solves the problem for us of you know like like one of the ways we deal with so like one of the ways some of us deal with with life on earth is by figuring out how to answer questions and mysteries you know like the same way the same way that uh seth's teacher was defending her position by being offensive that's really what she was doing mm-hmm. seth as a believer needs to be in a space where yeah i can go in and have an evolutionary conversation that doesn't mess me up at all i can talk yeah tell me tell me what you believe with your 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 what you're a you're a hindu oh yeah what do you believe tell me like yeah what what's the book of mormon say like yeah we should like incarnation sets us free from having to have all the answers let me say it like that it sets us free from having to have all the answers it's like infinite, infinite God, infinite, unknowable God becomes man and knowable. Mm-hmm. And that's like that. I, I honestly have come to a place in my life, and I suspect you guys have too, where it's like, I, I love having, I can sit down and watch Carl Sagan's Cosmos, or I can watch, uh, you know, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson's one where they did it not too long ago, where really it's coming from an atheistic, an atheistic background. And I can sit there and have a worship, worship experience to Jesus. Yeah. Because totally. I'm sitting there listening to their information, hearing it from a different angle altogether. Mm-hmm. It does it by no means. Again, the incarnation sets me free. I, I don't have to have all the answers about is the, is the, is the universe, eight billion years old or nine billion years old or is it is it six thousand years i don't know jesus is lord though oh totally yeah you know like it just i'm uh, just thinking i'm i was uh watching today i was watching a seminar um on the philosophy of science you know just because how am i gonna do on a a sunday afternoon like you do Uh, i was watching this course and uh the speaker started talking about the how faith and science aren't compatible. And he started talking about how there's no way you can scientifically, you know, believe in, in a God that, uh, that, you know, intersects with reality. Um, so I, I appreciate being able to understand different positions and I do think that's important, but I also want to have the faith that uh, that's firm despite those kinds of objections. I remember actually in, uh, in university, Seth, you reminded me of this when you were talking, uh, I was a, a science major at University of New Brunswick, uh, majoring in biology. Mm. And I, I remember in my biology class, my first year, uh, the professor coming out, opening up the New Test or the Old Testament, reading from Genesis one, and putting the Bible down and saying, "That's all we're going to hear of that." You know, mm. wow. With that early, and then we're going to move on to science. You, you know what's interesting, Greg is, and I would say, you know, you one of the things that maybe cancel culture and some of the, just the, the animosity in this, in the marketplace of ideas. One of the things, the good things that's done is I think it's actually caused a lot of the leading voices. Like the first thing I thought when Greg, you said, you know, I was watching this 
the scientists say that there's no place for faith in the conversation about science, like my, my initial reaction is, well, who's this low level, really weak scientist, if that's his position? Because you're actually seeing a lot of like, really the, the leading edge in, in the scientific mm -hmm. field you know, not all of them are believers, but even the, the most ardent yeah. kind of agnostic scientists still admit, like even Neil deGrasse Tyson, you hear him talk long enough, you know, like he's a pretty, he would say he's agnostic. I think he's a pretty, pretty major atheist, but you listen to him talk long enough, even he catches the fact that he's got a hedge at a certain level and say, okay, there's still, faith is a huge mm -hmm. component in the scientific discussion yeah. And we're talking about the physical and, and there is metaphysical conversation here that these two things are, are actually different. So one of the cool things that I'd say has happened with all of this, this modern climate is just this, it's caused people, you know, a lot of the leading, leading voices to like say, hey, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Like, let's actually be intelligent about the holistic argument here. You can't just with a blanket slate say, there's no place for God in the scientific discussion. Well, who, who says? I know just one of the, like, even for non-believers, right? There's, I, you know, from what I've been sort of consuming, there's this growing, even, even if they're not uh, prepared to uh, go down the road of like the, the Christian God, right? There is a, there's a growing sense among the science community about, uh, intelligent design right and yes. so there is there is that like you can't possibly look at what we are right the what what is this planet and the and life right and the 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 idea of gosh to be super nerdy about foldable proteins and things like that the very yeah. the very the very the very elemental building blocks of life li there's literally not enough uh, there's not enough stuff in the universe that to give it any probability of ever, it's like not even close, right? You're yeah. in orders of, you're at, at orders, exponential orders of power, right? Uh, way off in terms of how this would actually occur spontaneously, right? So, so even among the leading, like whether or not they're prepared to admit, like, that there's a Christian, yes. what we would, what we would believe, right? There is even among the scientific, uh, scientific community, there is a, a growing number of people who would, would lean toward, and it's so controversial too, right? Like they're even about cancel culture, right? You even hear about these ones who, who, who actually they're, 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 they work, their position is so fragile that they're actually, they're actually uh, disavowing and, and, uh, going against uh, their own um, the scientific method, right? Yes, like their totally. own, like ex, they've already predisposed the the, and the like the the final position, and they're uh, they're 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 eliminating, and they're they're like they're cutting off. They're just saying yes. we're not going to go down this road because, and that's anti scientific method, right? Like you don't, you know what I'm saying? Like it's so. Yeah, it's so I think obvious. the people who take the people who take science the people who take science seriously correct allow it to speak and they don't insert their agenda and i think yes. that comes back down to that idea of control and yes. you see a lot of like the woke culture 
like the the irony of you'll have in the in one breath you know people people saying like the, a very humanistic sort of narrow-minded you know humanity is the hope of the world and we just all need to get along kind of the classic secular gospel mm-hmm. you know on the one hand that would very much say well if it's not quantified in science then i don't want it which is you know code for get your god out of here right but then at the same time it'll be the first people to actually go against what science says in the sat and like you know well there's no such thing as male and female it's a social construct correct well actual science like <laughs> the scientific field still begs to differ on that right like you know again i know this is this is anyway (laughs) i don't care it's my channel yeah cancel me yeah i I just it's it's just uh that's just the reality of this whole this whole conversation so okay we got kind of got off sideways there on the existential crisis but that's that's good stuff it is good the 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 idea of incarnation though the gospel begins with this idea that well, it's not off in the weeds, really. That that kind of grand scheme conversation is the exact backdrop that the incarnation bursts in on. In yeah. all of the mystery, in all of the unknown, you know, even us, like, you know, you go back to the, the you know, us looking for scientists who, you know, come from our, come at it from our angle on the big questions of life. Even that's a fool's errand at, at a certain level, because the gospel comes to be the solution for that. Like the gospel comes to be the thing we hang on to. I don't lean on my understanding or my ability to wrap my head around the cosmos. My faith isn't built on whether or not, you know, evolution looks like natural selection or there's a missing link. My faith's not built on that. Mm-hmm. My faith's built on a person. It's not even built on, you know, you've seen you've seen like Christians really go sideways on, you know, this as bad as some of the evolutionary arguments have been for our faith, you know, what has been as bad. Some of the creations, the creationists arguments on things, they've been as dogmatic and as cancel culture as the, the other side. Right. Which again, I'm all for looking into the scripture. I'm all for understanding. I'm all for, you know, knowing God through the mysteries of the universe. But the incarnation, God becoming flesh, comes as an actual, tangible, hey, there's going to be mystery. Wrap your head, your heart, your hands, your life around this, God in the flesh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what we hang on to. Everything else is just, yeah, that's fun to talk about. You know, we, we don't, we don't grab, you know, we don't hang on our understanding of the scripture. Like what, what do you, what does Genesis mean to you, Greg, in the six days? Is it six literal days or is it, is it aeons? Like, does it matter? I don't think it does. I think the incarnation. Yeah, I have too. I just don't think it matters. And I think, I think the incarnation sets us free from having to have those answers. My answer is Jesus. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, (laughs) So, so for you, why is it so crucial? So we got to the starting point. Let me ask you guys a question. Why is it so crucial that when, when it comes to our understanding of the gospel, we start with the incarnation. We start with God, God became flesh and dwelt among us. Why does that matter? Why does that matter that we started here with this series? Mm. 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 you know for me it for me it really um 
I was going to say in response to what you were just saying there that that God is not lost. God has understood what's going on from the very beginning. And to me, the the reason why the incarnation is so crucial is from the very beginning, God was wanting to partner with humanity or to to rule over creation, to manage creation. He designed it so that human beings would actually be his representative in creation to see it be on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. So to me, you know, the scripture talks about Jesus being the second Adam. I think when, when Jesus came as a human being, came in the flesh, he actually came representing humanity and, and accomplishing what he did on the cross was him on behalf of humanity following through on humanity's part, but also as God, he was coming with the faithfulness of God. And I know it's a big subject, but, but the incarnation just brings it all together and says, okay, uh, I'm going to tie it all up in Jesus. And that's why he's the Messiah because he's human. It was important that he was human. So God could reestablish again. His original plan was to work with humanity. So I know I might be going off on a tangent there, but that's, but that to me, that's where it starts. You know, and when Jesus arrived and he started to preach, his message was the kingdom of heaven is drawn near. And he represented that. And um, so it wasn't just what he was teaching. It was what he represented. He was saying, I am here to show it's all come together in me. Yeah. And re- I would say I would qualify that, Dan, is like, you know, when we when you and I use the word represented, sometimes for us, because we're human we can we can tie like we can put a lot of aspiration like i'm doing my best to represent king's church or i'm doing my best in actuality god like jesus was fully man mm-hmm. and fully god yes and he in actuality served as the one who yeah. connects you know the mortal with the immortal mm-hmm. the the temporal with the eternal the holy with the the earthly, uh, the heavenly with the earthly, holy with dysfunction, like that he is the the point at which all of those things connect. And so for us to literally be able to to connect to God, he is the touch point. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, otherwise, we're back to questions of infinity again. We're back to questions of how do you make sense of this world? How do you make sense of this life? How, how do you answer the big existential questions? Mm-hmm. Like he, he is that. And that's the, that's the importance of the incarnation. I like how you said that. Like he, he is the, the embodiment. He's the solution. He is God, but he's the solution to the God problem for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. I think, to, I think, sorry, uh, Go ahead. I just think the, the thing that jumps out to me and, and is that it was always that way, right? It was always his plan, right? And just that we, you know, we can, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, and I, I held this, I've, I'm certain, I'm sure I've held this view for decades, even that, you know, that it was like a plan B that he was, you know, plan A was Adam, plan B was Jesus, right? That, you know, there was that, there was that element to it, but we understand like, and just in just, 
I don't know, digging, digging in deeper, like even in Revelation 13, where it says he was crucified before the foundation of the earth, right? Yes. So it was all we, it was always the God's plan A that Jesus would come. It was yes. always uh, God's plan A, even uh, 700 years before Christ that Isaiah said that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us, right? It was always his plan A. And I think that we, that so that, so that no yeah. one can say, that there was another plan. This was always his plan. So it begins, everything that we are and everything we believe begins and ends with incarnation, right? Yes. Like it, it, it has to be built on this fact. And we just say, well, if it, if it isn't, if there, if he really wasn't, then, then we're to be pitied. Like Paul said, we're to be pitied above all, right? That, but it really begins in that. And obviously like we know, we believe and we have experienced, right? Like we have, there's a deep, you know, we have, it's not like we're not ignorant. We're not just drinking some Kool-Aid here. It's like we have, we have seen, we have experienced, we have tasted, right? That what the, the, the unfolding of the incarnation and as it, you know, it impacts us, but that's huge. Right. But just that it begins, it begins and ends really. It's founded solely upon the incarnation. Right? And it was, I think that's a huge point, Anthony, that we need to circle back around on like again this was jesus was not a plan b and i think we have we have all at times maybe had that in our minds about like you know like we have this imaginary vision of god that like sin happens and all of a sudden separation happens and like god's like oh no now what am i going to do yep. right like um and i don't think that's probably good theology like i i don't think any of this was a surprise to god and actually if you read the scripture uh closely it almost sounds like this was the plan from the beginning this was the design and i know you like i read again i did like a F, f18 super hornet flyover of like a few of the kind of the the incarnational gospel threads through the bible but one of them in there, like in the beginning, it says God formed the man and the woman and he breathed the breath of life into them and they became living beings. And so like we see that and at the one hand, you know, Adam and Eve humanity lacked nothing in the original kind of setup. However, there was something that had yet to be done. There was no sin between God and man. But in order for God to have true, loving, lasting relationship with humanity, something else was going to have to take place. Like God breathed the breath of life into humanity and we become a living being, the spirit, the, the ruach, right? Because that, that goes in, that becomes, that makes us, that's our soul, it's our life. Yeah. However, God didn't have our hearts the way he does after incarnation, after becoming relatable, after becoming one of us, where we, out of our own volition, love him. And that's such a beautiful thing about the cross. Like the cross is more than just a mechanism that forgives us of our sins. Yeah. It literally turns our hearts and disposes them towards God. And it's the only thing that can, right? Like, so back to this idea of incarnation, we love because he first loved us. Like in that the love of something about the love of God 
when we see it, when we wrap our arms, our lives around it, it gets into our hearts and it makes us love God. And mm -hmm. that establishes the real that God wanted in the first place, that intimate union with him. And you wonder, like, even you think about Adam and Eve, what did they, did they have the intimacy that we have with God even? I know we're living under the realities of sin, but God has our heart because of what Jesus has done, because of the incarnation, because of the crucifixion, because of the resurrection and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's just a question. I think I think I know the answer, but does God have our hearts in a way that Adam and Eve that he never had Adam and Eve? Does that make sense? Like that's a I think that's a that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that's my that's how I understand it. Like when I think about think about like the the, the creation narrative, like I, I have a very hard time envisioning God like I know there's the question where it says, and God, and, you know, God came down in the cool of the evening and was searching for the man and the woman, and he cried out, where are you? I don't actually think that's a literal God didn't know what was going on or where they were. Mm -hmm. I think it was speaking to his desire for unity, yeah. right? And so I have a really hard time believing that God was like, oh, crap, sin. What are we going to do? I guess I'm going to have to die for them. Like, again, that's what it means when you said, Anthony, like it says in the scripture, before the foundations of the earth, the lamb was slain, mm. right? So it was before, this was the design from the beginning that God knew if I'm going to make a creation that are love, they are free, they have intellect, and they are going to choose to love me as I love them, it's going to take an infinite act of love Yes. To actually turn their hearts towards me from themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think like, that's, that's crazy. I think that's why you have to start with the incarnation, right? Mm -hmm. Like that we have, that's the starting point right there, right? Yeah. In many ways, because incarnation, I mean, the epitome of incarnation is sacrificial love. God coming to us, the presence mm -hmm. of God here he's not just a representation he's not just a prophet this is god in the flesh right um and not only that the proximity the, you know there's presence and then there's proximity um jesus comes and he he starts meeting with sinners like that that level of access and and that intimacy even with sinners like there's i think this is why this is such a powerful powerful place to begin um because you know and then you talk about the whole idea of um coming and sacrificial power um he comes as a humble servant that's a that's another component in this he doesn't come like he could come with coercive power but he doesn't he comes as a carpenter and dies a, a horrible death yeah. you know and it's th there is something about the incarnation that yes it's mysterious it is mysterious, um, but there's something absolutely profound. You, you keep referencing Genesis chapter one, Brent, which I think is fascinating. John chapter one, which is the, the pinnacle of incarnation text. Mm -hmm. Most scholars believe that's the actual beginning of the Bible in a lot of ways. That in the beginning was the word. And you make a connection between Genesis one and God forming humanity and breathing spirit on them. 
-hmm. What's fascinating is John starts with the incarnation or with, with Jesus coming into the picture. The last statement in, in John's gospel is receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that to his disciples and he breathed on and he breathed on them. Yeah. And so there's a correlation between what's going on at creation and now Jesus incarnating himself and walking this life out and breathing on his disciples and building, I think, uh, this connection, like you said, a greater almost intimacy that is being forged by the Holy Spirit now um, that is greater than what yeah. we see in Genesis chapter one in a way, yeah. right? It says, so, says, what, it says like, uh, you know, I will give, I'll turn your heart of stone into a heart of flesh. flesh. And then Joel, Joel says, you know, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh right? Like on all, like, so this connection between the word became flesh and, and changing our hearts of stone into flesh and then the spirit yes. descending upon all flesh. Like that's, that's the, that's the point, you know, and, and, you know, we'll talk about the Holy spirit lots through this series, but I mean, that's, that's one of the great gifts of the incarnation. Isn't just that Jesus came and accomplished what he accomplished, but he left, like he gave the Holy spirit so the incarnation isn't just something that happened. It's something that's happening. Yeah. Like you can actually continue to know and commune with God in real time and real space mm-hmm. through the Holy Spirit, which is, yes. which is massive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just, I, I don't know if this is got a bit, a bit of an aside, but I think one of the things that what, um, you know, just in the contrast of like, what, what did Adam and Eve really experience and, uh, one of the things that always struck me is right when they when they suddenly be, became aware of sin, their first instinct was to hide, right? Yes. And you know, on the other side of the cross, right? You know, the reality is much different, right? Where there's power in instead of running to hide, running running away from God is actually running to God, and there's a way for that to actually happen because of the incarnation that actually makes the way for us to, instead of running away, to run towards him, which I, which I find remarkable, right? Like it even like, you know, in Genesis one, we don't even know, like, you know, there's so many, there's lots of questions about it because it's so short and all the details aren't there. Right. Like that we'd love to, gosh, give me a, like to be a a fly on the wall for some of those, you know, interactions. But like, I, I find that, I find that, you know, just at, at the core level, right, we know what it's like to, to, uh, to be sinners. Uh, we know what it's like to even to sin and to have that desire, that innate desire yeah. to run away from God. That's universal. Yes. Right. But on the other side of the cross, you know, the, even though that desire is there, there is that way that is made that we can actually go to Christ that we can actually run to him so much so that the running away is actually the lie, right? The, yes. the running away is actually the deception, right? That right. Made the way, right? And that's huge, man. Like I, again, I, I hope people can go back and listen to my message with a bit more like, a, hopefully like with some just slow it down a little bit. But one of the things I talked about and I'd mentioned, I just made that connection really quick. It was like a sentence, but I just said, you know, like uh, when I was doing the flyover of Genesis three and connecting the fact that they, what they hid and made coverings for the ways that we, we try to answer the question of life on earth. Right. And I talked about like dead ends in the way we try to answer that question, how, you know, we look for, we look for answers in things we can find around us. Right. We talked about like, 
comfort and consumption talked about you know maybe it's things that i can get above you know uh or things above me like the idea of status and success i talked about maybe putting things beneath me the idea of control and command and domination or even things within me that maybe maybe life is found as i you know express myself and that's connected to to a lot of things but you know as you're saying that anthony like Jesus, the, it's funny that we, the, the deception is I'm going to go find these things on earth when in actuality, Jesus answers and provides, he is the solution to all of those, those real needs you sense. Like it's not wrong to, to, to sense like the sin or desire is not sin. Mm. How you satisfy desire is sin. Right. And so, like can be sin. And so if we're looking to a substance to satisfy an eternal longing that Jesus was meant to satisfy, yes. that's why he came and said, I'm the bread of life. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the meal that satisfies. Right. Or if you're looking to, to obtain success for some earthly glory, that's again, that's what Romans one's talking about, that they exchanged the image of the immortal God for, for what was it like? carvings of animals and and like idols and again jesus becomes the image of the invisible god right that we can and he he, he answers that question the idea of needing control and command that we we the answer is i get to trust the one who holds the universe in the palm of his hands and gave himself up for me so i can trust him and the idea of like finding life within me i talk about i mean what a solution what a what an invitation it is to the, the God of this age. How many people are trying to find answers within them when they're not all the way wrong? You know, right. you staying true to yourself is not going to do it for you, but you inviting that truth inside of you that is Jesus. Yes. There is something inside of you that is crying out. There's something inside of you that is hollering and screaming for answers. Mm -hmm. And the key is not you letting that out. The key is letting him in to satisfy it. Yes. Right. And so the incarnation answers all those questions for the way that we try to, you know, figure out life on earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I love that. It's, there's this partnership that we remember between the, the father, son and Holy spirit, like the significance of the Holy spirit dwelling with us and in us, Jesus taught his disciples. When in John 14, they were freaking out that he was saying, I'm going to leave you. And, and they were so confused. He said, I, I don't want you to worry. I'm going to send another counselor. And he's going to be with you and he's going to be in you. And I think that significance of um, the change that comes about in us through faith in Jesus isn't just about, well, I used to not behave myself and now I do as if that was God's goal, right. make me a, make me a right. guy who behaves myself. I actually have the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit indwelling me and surrounding me, you know, the, and the presence of the Father, the three of them working together. I have actually been locked into something I will never come unhinged from. Like, the, like God dwelling, like the scripture says um, that it's not, I that live anymore. It's Christ that lives in me. Mm -hmm. You know what? That's a, that's an eternal reality. Someday my earthly life is going to end, 
but I will always have that connection of the spirit of God within me. That's, it's an amazing miracle. It's not magical. Yeah. It is miraculous. Mm. And so this thing of, I become an, a temple of the Holy spirit, right? Yes. So you're talking, you said earlier there, the incarnation didn't just happen. It's still happening. Mm. You know, there's this, it's God's pleasure to indwell human beings. That blows my mind. Mm. Yes. Yeah. To be in us and around us, we we religion gets the agenda so screwed up. Let's go. So let's go there, Dan. Because so I tried to again. I, I wish I, I wish I I just feel like so much angst in me about like oh my goodness we're getting on these huge concepts. I hope this is coming across. But when I talked about like the big questions of of trying to satisfy the questions of life on Earth, mm -hmm. really what I'm getting at is idolatry, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like answering the God question with something that's finite answer, answering the eternal with something that's temporal. It's idolatry. It's putting something above God. Mm -hmm. And then you get into this question of religion. So there's the question of where do I find life on earth? Most people eventually get to the search for God. Vast mm -hmm. majority of human beings throughout human history have had some concept and hunt for God realizing, okay, I need more than just my fix of drugs and sex or food and a little bit of control or whatever, they realize that's insufficient. I'm looking for transcendence. Yep. So people go on the hunt for God. Most everybody on planet earth has some sense of the divine. Mm. And so, but this is where religion comes into play. This idea of, you know, getting to God or getting control of God or getting a grip on God or getting over God. And I used, again, I used four kind of directions. I talked about, you know, the fallacy of living life over God, that God is some system that we adhere to and kind of put God in our debt, right? Mm -hmm. Or the idea of living life under God that, you know, you better keep God happy because God is this big mean man in the sky with a smiter stick. And if you don't do good by him, he's going to smite you. Or the idea of living life for God, that again, it's there's some truth in this, but you know, my job is to strive to please him. Mm -hmm. uh, or finally, living life from God, that if I pray the certain way and I do certain things, then God has to bless me. Right. And all of these are different versions of religion, but the the incarnation actually upends them all. Mm -hmm. That that Jesus again answers all four of those those mistaken pursuits that are built on lies, Jesus satisfies them all. He says, right, like this idea of, of living life over God, um, you know, Jesus humbled himself and became human that we could actually operate like mm -hmm. in a very strange way. He's operating on our level, mm -hmm. which, is, which is wild. And then this idea of life under God, keeping God happy, the gospel, the incarnation, I mean, that Jesus fulfilled the law. Mm -hmm. He satisfied every requirement of the law so that we know that, that God is pleased with us. You know, the idea of living life for God, you know, we get that messed up. I'm, I'm a, I'm, that's my big trap. Yep. I get striving and get, you know, well, I got to build a ministry for God. I got to do this for God. Yep. And Jesus, had, the incarnation says, no, done. I already did it for you. Yeah. Right. And then. And then the idea of life from God, that we, we actually walk in blessing through relationship with him, not to manipulate God. Anyway, just this idea 
of the incarnation upending religion. How does that strike you guys? Well, I think, I think like, um, I think you see that all through the gospels. Like as people walk, they, like they canceled Jesus, right? Like, <laughs> they did. They really did. Like the I'm, original I'm thinking, cancel culture. It, no, seriously, it's cancel culture. I was actually this afternoon reading in John 6. And it's where Jesus tells everyone that they need to start eating his flesh <laughs> and drinking his blood. Right. Yeah. And, and then uh, that that's the bread of life passage. And yeah. at the end, at the, at the end of that, people are offended. Like they're freaking out at Jesus. Right. Um, just before that, he just fed them actual bread. Amazing. It's the feeding of the 5,000 yeah. to then he offends the 5,000 basically. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think it offends religion because religion really at its core says Jesus isn't enough. There's got to be more, right? And they couldn't, they couldn't accept, they couldn't accept that just eating on Jesus's flesh and drinking his blood, which is offensive, by the way, that would break the law to even do that. That's not kosher to eat someone's flesh or drink blood. Um, but the fact that like, you know, as I was reading that, uh, like I got thinking in my head, like against kind of the religious establishment of the day, like, you know, I think their offense comes from the idea that they just can't accept this Jesus as God. Like you can't, they just couldn't accept the incarnation. He's so ordinary. That's why they he, crucified him. That's why they crucified him. Right. Um, and so there is an affront to the incarnation from religion. Like there, there's almost like an enmity against Jesus being who he says he is as the God man, if you will. Right. Yes. And so you, you see this, it, it's almost violent. It is violent in a way, right. They try to kill them, kill him on multiple occasions. And so I think, I think there's something there where it brings out in, 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 in religion, almost like a, like, a, I don't I don't know what, what I'm reaching for here, other than the fact that it brings out a, a, a almost like a, a severing or a violence in a way that, that just yeah. causes this level of friction yes. um, that, that it generally ends up catastrophic. In incarnation, way, right? so, incarnation and religion are incompatible. That's correct. correct. Right. You can yeah. either, you can, you can subscribe, you can subscribe to one ideology or the other. But right. religion and incarnation cannot play in the same sandbox. Like they just can't. And this is why I think this is why this is so fundamental. I mean, we asked the question earlier on, and none of us have really gotten there. But this is why the incarnation is where we have to start with this whole this whole concept of the gospel, because it really is the foundational building block of under like even before you get to atonement. You get to, to Jesus dying on the cross. You get to Jesus, like his teachings. You get to the Holy, like the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. If we don't establish that the, our faith is built on a God who became flesh, the whole system just, just drops. Like yeah. it really is the initial building. Line. That's why John started his gospel. All the gospels actually start with incarnation, all four of them, like not just John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all do. It's like, here's like Matthew, there's a big genealogy in Matthew one, right? Like mm -hmm. here's where God became flesh. 
right through this line, you know, from the beginning, this was the plan, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it absolutely is the foundation piece of Christian theology that God became flesh. And it, if you have that off, everything else is off base. Mm -hmm. But if you have that on, I mean, even something as simple as how you live it out. Like if you can wrap your head around the incarnation, like that God became flesh, like it changes everything, even down to like your own humility. You know, I was thinking, I think it was Seth earlier when you're talking about, or maybe it was Anthony talking about just like how infinite God came, you know, all the way down. I was reminded of a, I think I heard like a, a Calvinist theologian talking about, how the closest thing I could compare, you know, the incarnation to for us to understand is if you became a slug, you and all your complexity as a human being became a slug and you went down and you redeemed all the slugs, right? And even that, he goes, even this falls infinitely short of the expanse between a holy God and, you know, finite man. But then you get thinking about Seth, like, I think it was you talking about, he, you know, he comes and he serves us and he washes feet and he does all these things. And it's like, man, doesn't that really mess up our hierarchies? Like when I, when I look at Seth and I'm like, well, I'm a, I'm a better person than him because I followed these six rules and he didn't follow those rules. And like, funny, the slugs have this kind of tier system that they've built but when you wrap your head around a God of incarnation, that holy God became like, doesn't it just blow up all of our moral religious categories where it's like, well, that's kind of dumb. Mm -hmm. I guess we're all slugs. Mm -hmm. You know, it sort of sets the groundwork for, for everything. How does that, when you, when you think of just a, a gut sort of the incarnation gut check, what, what for you comes to mind immediately for me, that's, that's one. It's just like, Man, I can't get very proud for very long and take the incarnation seriously. Oh. It humbles me. Is that Philippians too, right? Like, yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think I think I think I'm going to piggyback on that too. I think the probably probably the image of Jesus mm. washing his disciples' feet. Um, you know, uh, he doesn't come with a sword sword he comes with a towel and a basin yeah he's down on their feet and he's washing them and and that that image uh i think totally frames or reframes or always draws me back into alignment to the way of the kingdom and the way of the king uh that even even if we talk because we're talking about the the big eye incarnation that is of jesus but in many ways Jesus sets an example for us to live by as well, right? The a small eye, like we're, has his body, uh, people who are called to go out into the world and to, and to live like Jesus does. There's, there's something that happens in my own spirit as I go to minister to people, even um, as, a, as a minister of the gospel, that I'm always drawn back to that, that idea of coming with a basin and a towel mm. and the sacrificial love, you know, this week serving our province, it's, it's coming with a basin and a towel, right? And then entering into the mess, which is, which is sin, which is this world. And that's, that's the way that Jesus does it. And I think that that image um, 
of the incarnate God uh, totally, number one, it busts me up every time, mm-hmm. but it, 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 it reframes my life and reframes even my faith and even my ministry in a way back to um, the way of Jesus. Doesn't it kind of make, you know, I'd love to hear Anthony's thoughts on this too, because we've had some conversations about just like the power of obedience, but doesn't like it, this idea of incarnation, you know, my job as a Christian is not about following a set of rules. It's about following a person. Correct. And my job is going where he goes and, and staying with him. So Seth, this week, that person led you to go and, and be with him as he is with people who are grieving from the shooting, right? Like, like really that again, it just, it, it sets us free from having to have all the answers of right and wrong. If you follow him, he will lead you in right or wrong. If you do what he asks you, he, you'll never make a wrong step again. So good. It's like, it's just all it's obedience. Anyway, go ahead. No, I just, I was, I want to say this too, like just to, to piggyback off that imagery of Jesus, you know, wrapping the, you know, the, his cloak around him and getting down and serving. Right. And, and, and you can, you can connect that too with where do we, where did we find Jesus? Right. Especially in John, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that um, after, after the wedding and after he sort of like had begun his public ministry that he won, I think the next story, I could be wrong, but not one of, if not the first thing he's at the well, right? He's meeting the woman at the well. He's, we find him interacting with a woman who is of questionable moral repute, mm-hmm. right? In the fact that like, just that, that it almost, it's like, we have the wedding, we have the wedding and we, we have the demonstration of like, okay, my, my, my public ministry is starting and now I am headlong, headfirst into the mess, right? We find him, we find him in these places. Why, he, why did they call him a friend of sinners, right? Because he was found in places where there was mess, where there was dysfunction, where there was, you know, where they were outcasts, right? Why, why, and that's the thing of like, that's the, the servant, like servant of all, right? Like he would, he didn't, he didn't hold his even divinity up that he would not associate, which is a quite a religious thing. Like religion says, you know, you're that way, I'm this way and I'm better. Therefore I cannot associate. That's, it's so, and that's not, that's not old. I mean, it's quite, old news but it's just the thing where we find jesus in these places where he's willing to go and not only he's willing to love he's willing to relate he's willing to connect not wink not you know winking at the dysfunction but as an instrument of transfer you know as as a transformation agent Mm -hmm. right he's willing to speak the truth in love he's willing to you know to demonstrate love to 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 demonstrate mercy and not, you know, turning a blind eye to the actual dysfunction. And that's the, that's the thing is where do we find him? Where do we see him go? Where do we see him? Like, especially not only that, but he was in Samaria too, which is, uh, you know, not, you know, all of those things, right. We could, we just see where he goes and, Mm -hmm. and that's like obedience to that and following him, you know, what you're saying, Brent is like following him. We'll find ourselves like following Jesus looks like, us finding ourselves in places where almost like the religion in us 
gets its back up a little bit, right? Totally. And it's just like, and it and it's offensive. It's offensive to sometimes our uh, the framework in which we we uh, we we like to put around what Jesus would do, right? You can control God through religion. Yeah, absolutely. You can't control him through incarnation. Right, correct. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. It's incredible. This is this has been great, you guys. It's been an, I I feel energized just having this dialogue uh, with you. So it's any any any. I mean, we're almost done our time here. I mean, I don't set out to do ninety minutes. It seems to go crazy fast. Um, any any final thoughts on you know what the incarnation means to you? How? Yeah. Go for it, Dan. Well, I just just before our call, I was reading in First John, and in First John four seventeen, it says, "This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment." In this world, we are like Jesus, mm-hmm. and the the miracle is that I'm like Jesus in this world. And you were just talking about where does Jesus go? Where do you find Jesus? What, you know, and then you mentioned earlier about it being aspirational. I'm sort of missing the mark if I think it's all about trying to pretend I'm Jesus. Right. No, no. The spirit of God, like my confidence in even the day of judgment is that the miracle is by surrendering to Jesus, I become a new creation. And in this world, I am like Jesus. It's not a prideful statement. Mm. It's an identity statement. Yes. I'm saved not just to go to heaven, but I'm saved so that I can be like Jesus in this world. I can do Jesus stuff because he's in me and with me. So that's a miracle to me. It's in this world. I'm like Jesus. I am, you know, it, it's a presence. Yeah. You, and we're like him in relationship with him. Yes. Apart from him, he says, we can do nothing. Absolutely. Right? So the entirety, the yeah. entirety of the Christian faith, again, like, Religion wants to put God in a box. Religion wants to put it as rules and do's and don'ts. When in actuality, the entire, the whole thing is, can, can you just hang with me? Yep. Can you just stay with me? Can you abide with me? This is why I, I, I had a, a really good, Greg, you probably saw it on our Facebook. I happened to, I happened to see a message come in because I was on here getting ready to do something for, for one of these broadcasts. I saw a message, someone asking, some theological position questions that it was genuine. They weren't, but they were kind of coming at it from, uh, you know, I've got some concerns about these songs you were singing. And I kind of got into some dialogue with this individual. Again, I really, I felt at no point he was kind of trying to be vindictive or, you know, sometimes someone will lob a theological question out. And I, I, I can see the bait, you know, like I all the time get the, Hey, when you baptize, do you baptize in Jesus name or in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit? Question mark dot dot dot. AKA, how you answer this is how I'm going to choose to come to your church or not. So I, I got no time for I got no time for that. But this one was good. So anyway, start having some dialogue cuz cuz he had some questions and he he cited some stuff from some let me call them some theologians who have a very narrow view of what it means to be christian and uh basically you know if you're not in this lane and you're outside of this lane and you're part of the hill songs or the bethels of the world you're going to hell in a handbasket kind of thing and you know i i kind of boiled our conversation down to like 
you know what, man, honestly, I have met some people who could talk, you know, up one side and down the other with the most incredible, they could speak in theological prose. They know the Bible, they can quote it. They know penal substitutionary atonement and justification, and they have a theology of transubstantiation and all the big theological robust things. But I don't know if they actually know God. Mm-hmm. Like there's no fruit. Like there's no evidence that you spend time with him. And it's possible to read the Bible and not abide. It's possible to go to church and not abide. It's possible to sing the songs and not actually do it from a place of witness. The whole thing rests on how much we can learn. Again, it's, it's it's been ruined because it's turned into jargon. But the whole thing rests on relationship. Yes, it really is. Is theology important? Absolutely. That's why we're having a 90 minute discussion about it. Is reading your Bible important? That's why we're having a 90 day Bible reading plan. But if, if you're not doing it from a place of witness, don't bother. If it's not about intimacy and connectivity with God, it is disconnected and it will bear no fruit. And I've seen way too many theologians and preachers and Christians who bear no fruit because they aren't abiding with any sense of actual witness with the living God. It's an ideology. It's a philosophy. It's a, it's a religion. And God wants to be known as a person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's have an altar call. You guys ready? Let's do it. <laughs> so, sorry. I was just feeling that. I was just feeling that. Come to Jesus. Oh man. Talk to me about Jesus some more, man. Oh, this is so good. Mm. I think that's right on. That's right on. Uh, like Jesus criticized people who were so focused on studying scripture that they missed the fact that it pointed to him. Yeah, Jesus right said, here. you study this looking for eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, yet you don't come to me. Uh, here, and here I am right in front yeah, of here you. I am. I want to know you. That's why I, you know, that's why the incarnation happened. I'm here so I can have a relationship with you. Yeah. Amazing. Getting chills. I know. Love it. I just, we've, we've certainly, we've certainly landed on a bunch of things. Cause I could just feel that I could feel just my spirit doing jumping jacks, right? Like we were, we were hitting on some, and this is one of them, like just the, the miracle and the, the amazingness of just God with us, the incarnation and like, and, and we're not even like, 90 minutes certainly doesn't do it justice, but you can tell when you're tapping into, you're touching something that's true and you can, you can, you can just aware of that, you know, just the pleasure of God over that, you know, I'll try not to have an emotional breakdown here, but like every, every transformational breakthrough in my life has come back to a point of actual contact with God. Yes like an actual, I heard him, I felt him, and it changes everything. It does. And I'll tell you what, I've, I've read hundreds of books, leather-bound ones. Um, you know, like I have ingested all con- so much content, good content. But everything changes in a moment when like just one word that you hear, like right here, mm. that he whispers, just changes everything. Mm. 
you know, one walk in the evening where you feel the wind blow and it's not, it's not oxygen. It's the spirit. Mm. Like <laughs> that's it, man. That's, that's the whole thing. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Breathe out Jesus. Yeah. Well, let me encourage people who have hung with us this long. Mm-hmm. I hope this made you hungry not to go study theology, man. I, I just want to go for a walk. Yeah, come on. True, man. Brent, could you ask? Could you ask the Holy Spirit to really breathe upon us and our listeners? Yeah, I would do that. We'll we'll wrap up with that. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. Well, Lord, even just as we're talking here now, I just feel your presence, and I know uh, I know we all do. And we just want to say, Lord, we love your presence, mm-hmm. and we thank you for coming. We thank you for incarnation. Uh, and Lord, we we realize we're slugs trying to understand the infinite, like infinite things, and their mysteries. We just can't. Uh, but thank you, Lord, that you you long to be with us, and you are you're willing to meet us at the depths of our level. And and God, I pray for us this week for Seth and Greg and Dan and Anthony and myself and everyone who's listening, uh, Lord, we a- I ask that this would be a week where we of encounters with your presence right where we're at. God, I thank you that you came all the way from heaven, all the way from eternity past into time. I think that's even crazy. We didn't talk about that, Lord. How you, you came into this linear thing called time. And, and Lord, I thank you that there's no part of our experience that you aren't willing to, there's nowhere that you're not willing to go with us. You've already gone to the depths. You're the sympathetic high priest. We can make our beds in hell and there you are. And so Lord, I pray for whatever may come this week for our listeners. Lord, I pray for an extra sense of withness that we just have this awareness of your presence and this hunger and desire to just be with you. I picture uh, like in John uh, or Luke 10, I think, where Mary and Martha in that contrast of how to do this thing. And, and Martha's so busy just trying to get it right. And you say, look, Mary has chosen what is better. She's, she's with me. And Lord, I pray you teach us this week just small ways and how to be present with you, Lord. If maybe in the, in the stress, would we, would we just Will we learn how to turn to you, God, in, in the unknown? Will we learn how to be with you? Lord, I just pray for even moments of maybe in the morning, God, when people are going to the word. Lord, I pray that there'd be an extra moment of invitation mm-hmm. uh, to experience you mm-hmm. through the word, Lord. And so, God, I just, I just ask for an extra dose this week of an awareness of your presence and that, Lord, we would we would learn what it is to have a relationship with you this week. So God, I just speak encounters over us this week. I, I speak just, uh, Lord, I pray that we'd be seven days deeper into intimacy with you mm. between now and next Sunday. Yes. God. Um, in Jesus name. So it's just Lord that these seven days would be seven steps. And Lord, I thank you. Like I think about my relationship with my wife, you know, these 13 years, there's not been a, it's, it's 13 years deep of, of intimacy and relationship and every day matters, every year matters. And Lord, I pray that these next seven days would just would be steps deeper into relationship with you. 
Lord, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for this truth we've, we've, uh, we've spoken about tonight. And we pray that you would, uh, Lord, you seal the truth up in our hearts and our minds. You'd throw away the bones and you would, uh, we would go with you this week and abide in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Love it. Awesome guys. This is a real treat. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. Yeah. To be honest, I kind of dread dragging myself back here on Sunday nights, not going to lie, but every time we get into these conversations, they're so they're, they're rich. So they I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah, I would it. appreciate the heads up next time about the ball caps. Let me know I need to bring one. <laughs> yes. We will let you know that Greg and well, and everyone should next time we'll all do glasses. Yes. Yep. We'll do glasses and ball caps. Yeah. There we go. I like it. These ones, these ones have a major glare going on right now. So I'm <laughs> not going to do that. All right, guys. Well, thank you. Hey, don't forget. Yes. Don't forget. The only sporting event happening worldwide is happening tonight. Episode three of the Michael Jordan docuseries. Yes, that's right. Be careful. Be careful. There's some foul language. That I, I am not endorsing it. Okay. Not my pastoral ador- endorsement. Just saying, for all you kids out there who think LeBron's the best ever, watch this. Watch, watch this man play basketball, and then you talk to me. Mm-hmm. And if you come to me saying LeBron's still better, don't come. <laughs> oh man, gotten a, got a huge debate with a couple. Like, uh, if you're born, if you're like. 33 and younger you just don't know mj you you picture wizards mj yeah bad yeah i still well, i still vividly remember the last shot of the 98 that, totally that, oh I, yeah i remember where i was when i saw that and what saw him make that too me too man yeah. my parents unfinished basement yeah i remember watching that and like thinking that that's going to be iconic yeah, I watched it with Chris Stevens in his in his yes. Practice. That's a great man to watch a basketball game with. It sure is. Yeah. Well, we're losing viewers. They're dropping yeah. like flies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. Appreciate yeah. each of you. Yeah. See you. Thanks. Yeah.